Today's episode of Crime Nerds is going to make you reconsider some things regarding one of the most well-known murder cases in the world. If you listen to or watch anything true crime, you know about the O.J. Simpson case. Everyone has their own opinions on O.J.'s case and we're not really going to dive too much into his case because you've probably already heard it a hundred times. But what if there's another murder that may be connected to the murder of Nicole Brown and Ron Goldman, who is OJ's alleged victims? I'm your host, Coy Atkins, and this is the story of Brett Cantor. Brett Cantor was born November 5, 1967 in New York City. His father Paul was a manager for musicians and when Brett was only 4 years old, his family made the move from New York City to the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. In the early 1990s, Brett followed his father's footsteps in joining the music industry and his first job was for a record company and his entire job was to find young and upcoming artists assigned to the record company. Brett ended up signing a couple of alternative rock bands in the early 90s that became pretty successful, which were Jane's Addiction and Rage Against the Machine. Brett left the record company and he ended up starting his own company that he named Underground Entertainment. Brett organized events at some of the most popular nightclubs in Los Angeles. Steve Edelson, he was a nightlife entrepreneur. He started in Chicago at managing bars and nightclubs and then he brought his talents to Los Angeles. Steve started a nightclub called Dragonfly, and Brett became part owner of the club and he helped run it. By the spring of 1993, Brett was 25 years old and he met Rose McGowan at the Dragonfly. At the time, Rose was a young actress, and this was several years before she was cast in the movie Scream, and she was just trying to make it in Hollywood. When Brett and Rose met, she was actually in a two-year relationship with a man that she would later call William and her relationship with William was very toxic. William would continuously buy her exercise equipment and show her models and magazines, telling her that she needed to be more like them. In her memoir titled Brave, Rose would go on to say that William made her feel like a failure because she couldn't get below 92 pounds. But then things changed in 1993 when Rose met Brett. She and Brett, they started dating and she left William and Rose would later go on to give Brett credit for helping her leave the abusive relationship. In the early morning hours of July 30th, 1993, just a few months after meeting Rose, Brett was leaving a different nightclub, Club 434, which that would be the last time that Brett was seen alive. Later in the day, the front door to Brett's Hollywood home was left open and Brett's lifeless body was found right by the front door. He was stabbed 23 times in his upper body and his head. His neck was sliced so badly from the stab wounds that he was almost decapitated. It was believed that one of the cuts that started on his left side of his neck went all the way across his neck toward the right side. Now, this was July 30th, 1993. 
almost an entire year before Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman were found murdered. So what does Brett's murder have to do with theirs? Find out after the break. Over the last few years, I've been writing a fictional book called One Moment, and it's now available on Amazon. It's based in St. Augustine, Florida, and it tells the story of Micah and Sarah. After spending six years in the Army, Micah returned to his hometown. Returning home was never part of his plan, but after the physical, emotional, and mental stress from war, home was the best place for him. Sarah is beginning to put her life back together after escaping an abusive marriage. At 24 years old, She's a 911 dispatcher living in St. Augustine. While she is starting to heal, she crosses paths with Micah. Immediately, there is an undeniable connection between the two of them, and they know that they were put in each other's lives for a reason. When Sarah's jealous and abusive ex-husband finds out about the new relationship, he has to get involved himself. While this puts a strain on Sarah and Micah's relationship, dark secrets begin to come out, and they learn that Maybe you never truly know someone, and sometimes the best and the worst things in life can all be traced back to one moment. One Moment's available now on Amazon. It's $9.99 for a paperback copy and $2.99 for an ebook. The Amazon link is in the show notes, and if you read it, I really hope you enjoy it, and please let me know what you think of it. The Los Angeles Police Department began their investigation into Brett's murder, and unfortunately, it didn't go very far. Police looked into Steve Edelson since he was a business partner. Maybe they had a falling out over some money or something going on at the club. But they were able to rule him out. In fact, shortly after Brett's death, Steve stopped going to Dragonfly, and he told Los Angeles Magazine that it just felt wrong being there without Brett, and then he eventually sold it. Because this is an open investigation still, some details haven't been released to the public. And there are a few things that people have had questions about, which was the condition of the house. Like, did it look as if it had been ransacked? Was it a burglary gone wrong? Or did everything seem to be in place? And Brett was the obvious target of this. Almost a year went by with no answer to Brett's murder. And then comes the case that would turn the country upside down. On June 12, 1994, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman were found murdered at Nicole's home. Nicole was the ex-wife of O.J. Simpson, the former NFL star. Nicole and Ron suffered multiple stab wounds to their upper bodies, including their neck area. The stab wounds to both of their necks have been described as almost decapitating them. From there, I think everyone knows the rest of the story. OJ ends up getting charged with murder, he flees down the LA freeway in the white Bronco on national news, he gets caught, goes to trial, the glove didn't fit, and he's acquitted. So where does the connection come in from Brett to Nicole and Ron? Their murders were clearly similar, the killer or killers attacked the neck area with a knife. Just like Brett, Ron had a cut on his neck that started from the left side and went to the right. Okay, it's LA. There's millions of people living there, and I'm sure that these three weren't the only ones killed by being stabbed in the neck, but there's just a little bit more to their connection. At the time of his death, Ron was working as a waiter at a restaurant called Mezzaluna. 
So where did he work before that? None other than Dragonfly, where he worked for Brett. Employees from Dragonfly confirmed that they worked together and Nicole also frequented Dragonfly. So we can safely assume that Brett, Ron, and Nicole all knew each other in some way. So this is a huge hypothetical here. But if they aren't connected to OJ, then what could have been the motive? And we'll get to that in a second. But first, there's one more murder to cover. On September 8th, 1995, a little over a year after Nicole and Ron were murdered, 26-year-old Michael Nig was taking his girlfriend out to dinner. Michael pulled his Mercedes into a bank parking lot in Hollywood. He parked the car and walked up to the ATM. As he withdrew $40, two men walked up to him and demanded money. Michael said no, and they instantly shot him in the head. And then they walked over to a car that was waiting for them, and they drove off. Now, a few things stood out to investigators in this case. One was the Mercedes. Michael was also a waiter, and waiters, especially in places like Hollywood, can make a lot of money. But was he making enough money to afford a Mercedes? Then there's the actual crime, the robbery turned murder. This all seems odd. The two suspects witnessed Michael take out money. They demanded the money. He said no. They never tried to take it. They just shot him in the head. They didn't try and take it after shooting him. They just walked away, which was another odd thing. They walked away. They didn't panic. They didn't take off running. According to the witness, which was Michael's girlfriend, they walked to the car that was waiting for them. All of that doesn't sound like a typical robbery. This is a year after Nicole and Ron's murder and two years after Brett's murder. So what could they all possibly have in common? Well, he was a waiter at Mezzaluna restaurant too. And he was very good friends with Ron Goldman. While OJ's trial was about to get started in October 1995, his lawyers got permission from the judge to introduce Brett's case to the trial. They ended up not bringing it up, but they had it on standby because they were arguing that Brett, Nicole, and Ron's murder were all connected and it all revolved around illegal drug trade. The trial started less than a month after Michael's murder, so all the information in his case may not have been available or even researched yet by the attorneys. But one of these drug theories kind of makes sense and it also connects back to OJ. Al Callings is still to this day good friends with OJ. Al was the one that was driving the white Bronco in the infamous slow speed pursuit with OJ in the back. But Al also had ties with other people, including Joey Ippolito. And Joey owned a restaurant in Hollywood and he made a lot of money from this restaurant. But not through the restaurant. Joey's money mostly came through cocaine distribution that he was running out of his restaurant. And according to the book, A Problem of Evidence, that was written by Joseph Boschko, Brett was under investigation from the FBI for possible involvement in drugs. It was also reported that at the time of his murder, Brett had $130,000 in cash that was in his safe. The LAPD hasn't released or confirmed anything about the money, and it's not known if the money was from drugs or from the business that Brett was running. Well, one theory that OJ's lawyers brought up in trial was that Nicole and Ron's murders were related to drugs. They alleged that Nicole and Ron were also involved in drug trafficking. 
So a popular theory that came up was this. The Mezzaluna restaurant was reportedly a well-known restaurant that was involved in drug trafficking. Ron and Michael both worked there, and they were connected with Brett from the nightclub. The three of them, along with Nicole, begin distributing drugs through the restaurant. Then Joey finds out about this, and this harms Joey's drug empire. So he orders a hit out on them. Now, keep in mind, a lot of this is theories. I'm not trying to say that OJ is innocent, it's just to talk about these other cases that a lot of people haven't known about. At the end of the day, whether it's connected to drug trades or the murder of Nicole and Ron, or whether any of them are even connected at all, Brett and Michael's cases have gone unsolved. Because there's the possibility that they were randomly targeted because of their money or a crime of opportunity. But this brings us to a conclusion of this episode. And I would love to know your thoughts on if you think that any of these are connected or if there are three separate murder cases. And you can let me know on Instagram or Facebook at Crime Nerds Podcast. Thank you for listening, and please, if you're able to, leave a rating or a review for the show.